All right, so uh, we're in Revelation chapter 20 and uh, lesson 71. <laughs> yeah, so we've been a while, and um, some of you um, have, have had children that have become parents, and now you have grandchildren all since we started. Uh, but hopefully you're passing this on to them, and uh, I'm thankful for those of you who have stayed with us, most of you have been almost all of the lessons, I thank you for that. And so, we're excited what God's doing. Tonight's lesson is part of, um, probably going to take me three lessons to cover the millennium, although it's just a few little verses in here. Uh, it's the Old Testament that tells us what the millennium is about. Because the millennium is not our time, it's Jewish time. And so it's about the Jewish kingdom, and it's about Christ coming and ruling in the entire earth. We, as the believers, uh, are with him forever, and we will reign with him, and we'll talk about some of those things uh, tonight, but more about that in coming lessons, uh, about what we will see. Uh, the interesting thing about the millennium is uh, there's a lot of people that don't believe it at all. They do not believe there's going to be a millennium, and others believe we're already in it. And that the millennium wasn't a thousand years, it's a figurative uh, number. Uh, it's, a, it's the reign of Christ since the day of Pentecost till he comes back. Uh, well, that's been 2,000 years, so it's not a millennium, it's a duolinium. I don't know what 2,000 years is, I don't have a word for it. But um, the, uh, the truth is, it's because people look at one or two things. It's just like when we talked about the rapture. People say, well, the rapture's not in the Bible. The word is not there. Well, that's because your English Bible was mostly translated from Latin. And the Greek word in Latin is rapturo. But, or the Latin word is raptura. The Greek word is harpagmos. And, you know, so no one wants to say, well, the Harpagmus of Christ is, is going to have her say, it's like, what? The what? The who? It's just like my name, Jeffrey. You know, so um, it's like, what in the world is that? And they say, well, rapture's not there. Well, it isn't. If you had a Latin Bible, it would be. Because that's the Latin word. But the Greek word, Harpagmus, means to snatch, to catch away. And it's, it's used several times in the New Testament. Remember Philip, when he was on the road to... Um, where was he going? Um, anyway, out through the desert. And um, after he had brought the, uh, the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, to salvation, it says that he was caught away and he was found in another city. Well, but he was snatched out of where he was and taken someplace else. We call it translocation. Uh, but the Greek word simply is the same word that's used for the rapture. We're just caught away. It's used of Christ. In, in Revelation chapter 12 and talking about the child and the woman gave birth to the child and the child was caught up to heaven and to rule in his kingdom. And so it puts the entire work and ministry of Jesus in just a few phrases, but he was caught up, same Greek word. And so uh, same thing with the millennium. It's just because people read a certain thing, then they don't put together the full volume of scripture and to read about the millennium i'm not going to we're not really going to do that because it's chapter after chapter of the book of ezekiel um and it, it, people say well the millennium is not there well then what is this incredible peaceful glorious kingdom that's going to be on the earth if it's not the millennium uh, well it is so we'll be looking at some of those things in our next lesson as we also talk about the different view, viewpoints on the millennium. But uh, if you look at Revelation chapter 20, this thousand-year reign of Christ, and we're going to read through this, and I highlighted there in your notes how many times it says thousand years. Well, if it said it one time, if the Bible says it one time, it's truth. Is that right? And so if it says it over and over, it just reinforces the fact that this is truth. So we'll read this starting in, uh, 
your page there, Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. So this is in a progression of the Lord returning. Uh, for, forget the fact that we have chapters. John didn't write in chapters. He just he wrote about the Lord descending and the armies of, of saints coming with him on the white horses and the angels and all that thing and the battle that was over in just a few seconds as Jesus spoke his word. And as that has now taken place, then I saw. It's just like right after that. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So in our last lesson, we talked about Satan's future. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. Okay. And threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer. So his deception, which was exactly what he did to Eve, the deception led to the sin. Now the whole root of that has been taken off of the earth. And so he is sealed in this bottomless pit. What's the next phrase? Until the thousand years are ended. All right, so that's one time. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw the thrones and seated on them were those to whom authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or in their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Verse 7, and when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison. We're going to stop there because that leads us into some further things and some things that we've already taught. So if you have not listened to our lesson from the last time about Satan's future, uh, then you can go on the uh, home church website and listen to the podcast. All right, so this thing called the millennial kingdom, uh, this thousand years, it's, it's known by different names if you look at what is applied to it. What is the thousand years about? Well, it doesn't say it here. All it says is Satan is bound. And that the saints and the tribulation saints and the believers are ruling with Christ from thrones on the earth. And so that's what it says for a thousand years. And for a thousand years, Satan is bound. And at the end of the thousand years, he is released. And so he comes up from that time. That's something else, all right? But, but this thousand years is described in different ways in the Old Testament. And next week, we will spend a little bit of time, and the week after that, especially spend some time looking at what the Old Testament says about the millennium. That's why I'm calling these three lessons Mysteries of the Millennium, because the millennium's hard for us to understand, just like the church age was hard for believers of the Old Testament to understand because there's, there's hints to the church age in the Old Testament. There are things from the Old Testament that apply to us as the church, but to fully understand the church, Old Testament saints didn't. It's, that's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3 about the dispensation that's been given to him to uh, declare these things concerning the mysteries of the church or the dispensation of grace. And so he talks about things and he says, this was not even known to the angels until God gave it to Paul and Paul wrote it. I'm just telling you what Ephesians chapter 3 says. So, so this is in some ways, like 
understanding the millennium. You have to go back and look at some passages from the Old Testament that describe a time period of incredible peace, incredible blessing upon the earth, no war, um, no disease. The earth itself is worshiping God along with the people that all the kingdoms are held into control. And so it's, it's described in the Old Testament that, that Christ is ruling from a throne upon the earth, the Messiah, alongside David. So two thrones in Jerusalem, one for Christ, one for David, and they rule from there and all the nations of the world come and worship there and bow down there. And it's, it's an incredible time. So when, when does that happen? When did it happen? There's no place that you can read in the Old Testament that anything like that ever happened. There's no place that you read in the New Testament that it's happened. It's certainly not going to happen in what we have just looked at in Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 4 through chapter 19. It certainly isn't going to happen in any place in there. So there is this incredible period of time. Revelation just calls it five times the thousand years. And thousand years is a millennium. That's the Latin word. And so this millennium that we are going to be experiencing is mysterious until you look at some scriptures and you've got to go back and look at them. We can say it's going to be there, but there's other people that say, well, there's just a few verses and that's the only place it's mentioned. And, you know, I, I just don't see how that's going to happen. Well, then go back and read some of these things from the Old Testament, which we will do. All right. But the millennium is also referred to in some different ways. Jesus referred to it in Matthew chapter 19. He called it the regeneration that there was this age called the regeneration, when things are going to be regenerated or made new. And he's not talking about the new heaven and the new earth because that doesn't apply to what Jesus was speaking of. So you can read that, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 describes it as times of refreshing, that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And there's these times of refreshing. Now, how many of you have realized that that can also be experienced in this life? Have you received times of refreshing? But that's really not the subject of Acts chapter 3. It's talking about an age called times of refreshing. When things for a period of time are made new. All right? When things on this earth. Now, there's many places that... Sometimes prophetic words, Old Testament passages that are referring to the millennium can also be experienced by those in the church age. Joel chapter 2 is about that. That Joel talked about uh, that the pouring out of God's spirit. Well, yes, that happened at the church, but it's also going to happen in the millennium in an entirely different way. In the church age, Acts chapter 2 and Joel chapter 2, it is experienced inwardly that we have received of this anointing of the Spirit. In the millennium, it's going to be manifest. The whole earth will be under this empowering of the Spirit of God, ruling with Christ over everything in the earth. Everything. That's incredible. So when did that happen? When in our history has that ever happened? It hasn't, but it will. And so there's many times you read passages that are millennial in one way, but they also refer to things that are experienced by the church in a spiritual dimension uh, for us. All right. Also in Acts chapter 3, just a couple verses later, the same thing is called, Acts chapter 3 calls it the period of the restoration of all things. 
the restoration. Now, this is not the new heaven and the new earth where everything is made new. And, and this glorious kingdom of God comes and, and it's altogether different. This is a time when it's on the earth and Christ will rule and reign over things that are here. And the Messiah will sit upon his throne and David will be upon his throne. And you can read this again in the Old Testament. And so this is a restoration of all things. One of the things we talked about as we've been going through uh, the, the opening of the seals, uh, the sounding of the trumpets, uh, the pouring out of the vials, one of the things that we've been seeing in all of the things is the purging of the earth. That God is removing all of the effects of sin from the earth so that it will be prepared. Because at the beginning of the millennium, he doesn't recreate anything. It's a refreshing, it's a regeneration, but it's not a recreation. And so the earth is going to lose all of that that it's groaning about. Romans chapter 8 talks about how the whole earth groans to be released. And so the earthquakes and the volcanoes and all those things are the earth groaning. Well, God is going to purge all of that. Because before the fall, that didn't happen. And it's only because of the effects of man. And creation has been in bondage to the fall of man. But God is going to purge that. And during the seven years of the tribulation, not only is God judging mankind, he's also purging the earth. And so that as we enter the millennium, everything is different. Right? Now, part of that's because Satan's bound. But some of it is because God has refreshed the earth. The Apostle Paul, final point, refers to it in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10 as an administration or a dispensation suitable to the fullness of the times. So there's a thing called the fullness of the times. There is, that means when everything has been brought to its end and that there will be a dispensation. Now, you can study the dispensations of God. Uh, there's the dispensation of promise, that was Abraham. Uh, the dispensation of the law, that was Moses from Moses to the time of Christ, the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the church. That's the church age we talk about. The next is the, the dispensation of the millennium. And the millennium is its own separate dispensation. When, when the rules of the house, that's what a dispensation means. The Greek word means the rules of the house. When all the rules of the house are different, everything changes in the millennium. It's altogether different. So God is going to change the rules of the house. The final dispensation will be the kingdom when God restores the new heaven and the new earth. All right, so these are things that we see as we study. And if you read the Old Testament, if you look at the passages that speak of these things, and some of them you'll say, Okay, I read about 10 verses in that chapter in Ezekiel, and I'm done. I am done. Ezekiel is hard to read. It's even harder to understand. All right, so it's one thing to read it. It's another thing to understand it. And it's like, I have no idea what in the world Ezekiel was talking about. Ephesians 1.10 calls the dispensation of the, the millennium, the dispensation of the fullness of times. The fullness of times, all right. Of all times. Right? Of all times. Well, yeah. It's the dispensation of the fullness of times. Of, and the, yeah, times is plural. And so this is everything that is brought to its conclusion. So in this, in, in this way, if you read this, there's no other way to see it than the millennium is Christ coming and ruling upon the earth. And before he comes to rule upon the earth, he defeats all the powers of darkness. That's his second coming. And in the second coming, before the second coming is what we call the tribulation. And before the tribulation is the rapture of the church, the catching out or the taking away of the saints. And so if you read that, you see a premillennial view of, of uh, God's timing, of what we call end times. There are two other opinions about the end times. One is called postmillennial, that Jesus does not return. The second coming doesn't happen until after the thousand years and you can't read that in here 
you go from chapter 19 to chapter 20, and chapter 19 is his coming, and chapter 20 is a thousand years. Which came first? I mean, seriously, 19 comes before 20. I don't know. It's just at least in my, in my way of reading, it always has. But Christ will return. There will be a literal kingdom. At the end of that period of time, Satan will be released. Then will be the white throne judgment, and then will be the new heaven and the new earth. That's just the way it reads. And there's no other place to find this glorious kingdom of peace and beauty and tranquility than this thousand-year period of time. It doesn't fit anywhere else. It doesn't fit in man's time. And in order for us to have that, something else has to be, and that is Satan has to be bound. So, all of these things lead to uh, this understanding. Now, looking at this chapter and the things it says here with these statements about the thousand years, there are four basic truths that we find uh, as we progress through these. The first is the removal of Satan. This is page two in your notes. The removal of Satan. So the first of these four things is Satan is removed. Now we talked a lot about that again, like I said in our last session. But the first thing, in order for there to be this thousand years of peace and tranquility, first thing is that the author of rebellion has to be removed. And he is. And so it says so that he would not deceive the nation. So all the rebellion and all of the evil that's going on upon the earth is a result of Satan's deception. Deceiving people. And through his deceptions, then they enter into sin. And that sin multiplies and all manner of things uh, fall down from that. Satan will be bound. All right, so this is the first thing that happens. The author of rebellion has to be removed. But also, if we look at this, the first point under, uh, under there in the blue on your notes, God will have destroyed all human rebels. When you come to the end of chapter 19, all the rebels have been destroyed. Anyone who is upon the earth who has not received Jesus Christ as the Messiah, uh, that has not accepted him, any of those who have not believed are removed from the earth. They either slain or God puts them in the grave, kills them. That's, yeah, you say, I don't like that. Well, just read the Bible and like it. Change your mind. So that's what the scripture says. And so all of those who have opposed, all of those who have not received, all of those who have not received the Lord, all of those who have taken the sign of the beast and, the, and, and bowed down to him and given themselves over, all of those who came to war against the Messiah, all slain and all put into the grave. So all rebels have been removed. Now, upon the earth at that time are also believers. Those who have believed during the time of the tribulation, the 144,000 lives all the way through the tribulation. And so they are there. And many that they have brought to the Lord, many have been martyred, many have been killed, but many still live. And so during this period of time, many have, have believed and, and accepted the Messiah, and now he comes. Now that's a glorious thing. I'm, I'm excited about coming with the Lord because we will have been with him for those seven years in heaven and we will be coming with him. But what about those on the earth who see him coming? That, that's, that's got to be glorious. We'll see it from one side. They'll see it from the other. Now, somewhere during the eternity that come, I want to play the DVD of them coming you know, from the earth's perspective, and I'll watch that, you know, over and over again. But I, I, I want us to, to appreciate these saints have been through seven years of hell on earth, and here he comes. Wow. I mean, I know we look for the Lord. Are we not, are we not believing for the Lord? You know, we, we look for him to come. The Bible tells us to. 
to expect him, to look for him, to long for him. In fact, Paul says, those who love his appearing. So you should love it. But there's also that, wow. I mean, our looking for the Lord, he's going to come, he's going to snatch us away. I might be asleep in the middle of the night. I won't get to experience anything until I wake up about, you know, three million miles above the earth or something. I don't know. I was like, whoa, what happened? You know, but, uh, or you might be alive, alive. You may be in the grave. You know, you may be in the grave and you may experience the rapture. Whoa. That's, that's pretty incredible. But one way or another, we'll be caught away. But those on the earth, those who are left, the church is removed. But from that moment, the church is taken out, begins the evangelism of the tribulation. And we've talked about that all the way through, talking about different ways that the Lord is going to save. There will be millions of believers added to the Lord during the time of the tribulation. And so some of those will die, others will be alive. So when the dead are all removed, when all those who are unbelievers are removed from the earth, either by death or by God just putting them into um, hell, the, um, the whole thing uh, takes place for just a few seconds, and then the millennium begins. And the millennium, millennium begins with only believers, right? So that's what happens. But those believers, over a thousand-year period of time, have a lot of children and grandchildren. And so there are multitudes born again. I was thinking uh, yesterday morning, it just came to me. I was in the shower, one of those shower revelations. And I began thinking, what was going on a thousand years ago? So we think, you know, well, you know, a couple years ago. What was going on a thousand years ago? Genghis Khan was sweeping from Mongolia all the way to the borders of what we know as Eastern or Western Russia, almost to Poland. A kingdom greater than any kingdom that has ever existed. Incredible. All the way down to India into Arabia. That was, that was a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago. Uh, it was just a year or two before Marco Polo would go to China and witness to the great Khan. And the great Khan accepted um, the message. He asked for priests to be sent from Rome to China to teach the people this new religion. But when Marco Polo got back to Rome, Rome was engaged in crusades. That was going on. The Eighth Crusade was taking place during this period of time. And so the crusades were going on. There was all kinds of trouble in Europe. All those things were going on. He said, I can't do that. Uh, I'll do it later. By the time Marco Polo got back, he took something like two dozen priests with him. Only four or five of them actually got there. And by that time, the door had shut for him to have that opportunity. What if they'd made a difference? What if it had happened another way? Anyway, that's what was going on a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago, we have very little information about what was going on in what we know as the Western Hemisphere because we just don't have the history. And so we're now discovering different things from the Incas and from the Mayans and uh, finding out things. But a thousand years ago was a long time. In a thousand years, there's a big population, especially when most people don't die. During the time of the millennium, we'll see this as we look at some of the passages. Uh, it says the person dies at 100, dies as a child. So you're still in your infancy when you have been alive for 100 years. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you have been parents. I've never been a parent. Um, but I don't know. You know, a couple years with an infant? 
but but a hundred years with an infant you know we talk about the terrible twos this would be the terrible hundreds it's like oh my gosh you know so um, yeah but but it, notice it does say there will be people that will die so the the one that dies at a hundred dies as a child and so there's a long period of time going on here and people will be born again not born again people will be born but those who are born then need to either recognize the messiah's lordship or not and in passages that we'll look at from isaiah from ezekiel from other passages where it talks about this millennial age it talks about him ruling and we know the verses because it's several times in the new testament he's going to rule with what a what a rod of iron if if everybody's peaceful if everybody is submitted why is he ruling with a rod of iron and breaking into shivers that's little pieces of pottery as if he took his rod and smote a vessel made of clay yeah there's going to be rebellion there's going to be nations that try to rebel when they're told to come and worship uh, every year at the temple and they don't want to go and he will make them come or they will be removed there will be people that die during the time of the millennium it does it's not an age where there's no death that's what differs the millennium from the new heaven and the new earth where there is no death neither sorrow no mourning nor any of those things all right so new heaven new earth is altogether different but the the millennium is on the earth and it's right here and there will be nations and there will be kingdoms and there will be hearts of rebellion but every active rebellion will be put down and notice where's satan where's satan these people that have been born you know three four hundred years after the second coming after the beginning of the month, they've been born three, three or four hundred. They don't even know who Satan is. Yet, rebellion is there. Why? Because God didn't change the people who entered the millennium. They weren't, they weren't recreated in God's image and likeness. They believed. But they still passed on that nature of the flesh. It's ruled. It's held down, but it's there. And so during this period of time, um, we find some very different things. Notice, again, my last point here is it says, uh, the, the phrase at the beginning in verse 1 says, and I saw, indicating that this is chronological. I saw this, I saw this, I saw this, and I saw this. Right, so it's a chronological progression. And this is exactly what we find. After the tribulation, his return, and then comes his kingdom. And after that, the judgment throne. After that, the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, let's look at the second point. Of these four truths, the second point is uh, toward the bottom of your second page, the reign of the saints. And this is where we'll spend most of our time, talking about the reign of the saints. During this period of time, the saints will rule from thrones. So let's read verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them. So there's not a whole lot that says who, who's, who's, who sat. They. They. It just they. They who? Who's the they? Explain to me. Give me a list. And they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So those who are sitting on the throne are going to be the saints. That's us because we're told that we will rule and reign with Christ and we will reign with him 
Over what? We don't know. There are those from the Old Testament that have been told they will reign. And then there are these who have been raised up. And they are also going to reign with Christ. It doesn't say they came to life and lived with Christ for a thousand years. They came to life and did what? Reigned with him. And so these thrones, and they sat on them. And the they just means they. It could be, it could be a believer from the church age. It could be a believer from the tribulation. It could be one of the 144,000, of course. It could be those who were beheaded uh, for the, their faith and for the word of God. And so all of these things, and they take their position. And they're going to reign under Christ. In other words, he's the head, and they will reign under him. And I would imagine it's a hierarchical structure. There'll be that, Christ, and then others, and then others, and then others. And you know what? The Bible tells us that there will be differences of ruling. Some will rule one city. Some will rule ten cities. Some may rule a hundred cities. Right? And so there will be those who will rule in different capacities. That has nothing to do with a person's value. It has to do with what they have done with what God has given them to do. And so if you are faithful to what God has given you to do, you will reign. I want you to hear this. You will reign where he places you. Amen. That's it. And he knows what position to put you in. And so these are all positions that are given. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether I am... 10 people down the line. Guess what? I'm in heaven. I'm ruling. And I'm on a throne. And I am alive forever. And yeah, it's okay. I'm not jealous of the person above me. I'm not in pride about the ones below me. I'm just doing what God has given me to do. This is my place. And I'm going to be happy in it. There's a lesson there for... uh, Everybody in the church today, but I won't step on people's toes. Okay, yeah, I will. You know what? We need to have that same attitude. Our our, our society today is so caught up in in me. I don't mean Jeff. I mean me, you. Everybody say me. Me. All right, that's that's the person. All right, you're the one. And we're we're caught up in, in... What's for me? And what about my part? What about this? And so we want to change the rules. We want to change everything because it doesn't fit with me. I I don't agree with that. And therefore, I need you to change everything. Let's change the Constitution because it doesn't agree with me. Let's change this. Let's change what the Bible says. I know the Bible says this, but let's change what the Bible says because I don't like that. And so I'm going to take all the, most of the red verses out of the Bible do you know there's a Bible that did that? It, I think it's called the, uh, okay, I used to know the name of it. Anyway, they color-coded all the, what we have in, in red with Jesus, well, they color-coded them different. There is, red means, yes, we who authored this Bible agree that Jesus really said this. Pink means he might have said it. Gray means probably didn't say it. And blue means, though it says he said it, he didn't say this. And they're determining whether Jesus said these statements or not. So you read through this, and guess which, which color you must be born again is found in? No, it's not blue. Gray. He probably didn't say that. That's their opinion. Now, I don't have to have the Bible written in red to tell me Jesus said it. Why? Because the scripture says he said it. All right, so that's it. It's like the bumper sticker, and I I use this a lot, but the Bible said it. I believe it. That settles it. No, the Bible said it. That settles it. Believe it or not, it's still true. So, um, yeah, I want to get one of those and cross out that part but anyway 
So in this millennium, there will be those who are ruling. And uh, go to the top of your next page. He saw a throne symbolizing both judicial and regal authority. Uh, a throne represents not only uh, a kingly power, but also a judicial power that you have authority over certain things. Now, because we are there with Christ and we have been made new, remember Paul said, uh, today I know as a child, I think as a child, then I'll know face to face, then I'll know in reality. I look through a glass darkly, but then I will see clearly. Well, when we are in heaven, we will have been changed. And our minds will have been totally renewed, and everything we think will be what he thinks. All right, and so we will make no judgments except those that have been his. And that's why we will be sitting on those thrones. Notice that this is for those who have, who have come to him, or those who have paid a price to believe in him and hold fast to his word. And so he sees those uh, before him, and the judgment is given. The glorified saints both enforce the word of God and judge any disputes. So though there is a millennium of peace and this devil is bound and not there, there's still going to be what? Disputes, or you wouldn't be given to judge which means to make a difference between. All right, John also saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for the kingdom and their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, because they held to the word of God. And those who had worshipped the beast and his image and those, these are the martyred believers. And they come from the tribulation. The verses are there from Revelation chapter 6, 7, and 12. And because the, test, the tribulation saints were faithful, to death, they too came to this position, and they are brought to life, it says. He raised them up. So those who had been martyred, he raised them up, and he gave them position to rule and reign with him. Isn't that beautiful? Because they have paid the price. And notice the verbs in here. I want you to look at this. The saints uh, were faithful that they came to life and reigned with Christ. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. John is saying that from a past position. It's like he's looking back at it. They came to life. He didn't say they come to life. He didn't say they will come to life and they will reign. No, they came to life and they reigned. And it's like John is seeing the entire thousand years as a complete unit. I, I, can't, I can't see a year as a complete unit. I have a hard time seeing my day as a complete unit. <laughs> he sees the whole thing. They came to life and they reigned. What a beautiful statement. Why? Because John can see these things as God has revealed them to him. And then there's this last part of the verse. And the rest of the dead did not come to life. What did? Those who are unbelievers. Those who had not accepted. Those who had not believed. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were over. Oh, they will. And then they won't. <laughs> These are the unbelieving dead from all ages, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Pretty incredible. They didn't come to life. Believers did, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so they're all brought to life to stand before him. And if they have been faithful in what God has given them, they will be given positions to rule and reign. So John calls this the resurrection of the saints. He calls it the first resurrection. Right? These are the first. He said this is the first resurrection resurrection and the first resurrection you say well wait a minute Jesus was first and um, and then us but that's not really what he's talking about the first resurrection we've already been raised with Christ while we're still alive we didn't have to die to be raised with Christ we just had to believe Ephesians chapter 2 
verses 4 and onward, actually verse 3 and onward, man, we are made alive with Christ, together with Christ. When he came to life, we came to life. I know I didn't believe till 1972, but when I believed in 1972, it went all the way back to the day that Jesus came out of the grave. And when he was made alive, I was made alive. I've already been raised with Christ. Paul says it so clearly. We, you've been raised with Christ. So what are you doing dragging your dead body around? Get rid of it. All right. So that was the first resurrection. Now that resurrection is called by some other terms. Let's look at these. It's kind of toward the middle of your page three. It's called the resurrection of the righteous in Luke chapter 14 and in Acts chapter 24. The resurrection of the righteous. Now, that's not talking about us, the church. It's talking about others outside the church when there will be this resurrection of the righteous. It's called in John 5, 29, the resurrection of life. And so these are raised to life. It's the resurrection of those who are Christ's at his coming. Now, we've already been made alive And the rapture has taken us to be with him. But there's another whole group that's made alive at his coming. Those are the ones who believe during the time of the tribulation. And they are brought to life. And so they are raised up. Those who are Christ's at his coming. They've been martyred and now they're raised up. And then Hebrews chapter 11 calls it a better resurrection. Now we have a glorious resurrection where we are raised up and changed and made new, um, first of all, in this life, and then second of all, at the rapture, and our bodies changed. Our spirit man was changed when we believed. Our soul and body get changed uh, when the Lord returns, and everything is made new and recreated in his image. And that's a glorious thing, but it's not quite this. This better resurrection is for those who, by their faith, have trusted in God and believed God and done for him those things through their faith. And some of them, it says, chose a better resurrection than to be raised from the dead in this life or to go through their trials. They have chosen a better resurrection. So there are saints that are willing to give their life Saints that are willing to put their life on the line. Choosing a better resurrection. Doesn't matter if I die here. What does that matter? Now I know that's a hard thing for us to think about. But just think there are people in Ukraine right now that are making that choice. Believers who decided, no, I'm going to stay. There's pastors who decided, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to pastor my church, and I'm going to be here to serve my people. Uh, I, I, I've read about pastors who turned their churches into basically hospitals. They trained all of their members how to give first aid, how to treat wounds, how to take care of, of the injured, how to help them uh, to survive, keep them alive. And they turned their church into a hospital. Some of them have lost their life. But you know what? They made a choice. Choosing what? A better resurrection. And so there will be those during the time of the tribulation who are also going to make that choice. I don't care. I'll put my life on the line to witness for him. There are many who will do that, choosing a better resurrection. So uh, this this introduces a phrase that's, that's found next. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. So this first resurrection is the resurrection that takes place at Jesus' coming. It's not the resurrection we experienced. It's not Jesus' resurrection. It's the resurrection of those who have believed during the time of the tribulation, and it happens at his coming. They are raised to life. And it says, blessed and holy is the one who has a part in that first resurrection. Now, again... This is not about us, the church, because we've already made that choice. This first resurrection is not about us. Again, I, I have to keep saying that because it's hard for us to comprehend, but this is a choice we've already made. 
And so there is a blessing for this. Now, I know many times we read this uh, to saints who have died in this life, but that passage is really not about them. It's about the future saints, those who are going to die during the time of the tribulation. And uh, they have chosen a better resurrection. It introduces the fifth of seven Beatitudes that are in the, the book of Revelation, and they're written there for you to look at. Um, blessings. Blessed is the one who reads and understands. Right? That starts off the whole thing. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Chapter 14, chapter 16, chapter 19. Uh, here is chapter 22, and then uh, chapter 14. And so these are the, the blessings for those who have uh, believed. And so this blessing is for those who have believed in God during this period of time that we call the tribulation. That's the first resurrection, but it also introduces what? The second death. And so the passage doesn't just talk about the, the resurrection, it talks about the second death. There's one death, which is what? Physical, when you die. <laughs> That's the first death, right? because there can't be a death before that. So the first death is when you die. The second death is yet to come. The second death has no power over these. So it just introduces it as, as the negative side. These who have received are the first resurrection. The second death has no power. In other words, they are not going to lose what is given to them. They are raised to life, and the life that they get is an eternal life. And if it's eternal, it's not subject to change. That's what eternal means. Not subject to time. And therefore, it's not temporal, which means it is subject to time. Over this resurrection, the second death has no power. Well, you know what? You've already received that. Because the salvation you have is eternal. And those who have believed will not see death. That's reference to the second death because physically most of us are going to die unless Jesus comes in the next you know 10-15 years so you know what that's okay because I'm never going to see a second death I might see the first one but I'll never see the second one glory to God the second death is eternal hell that's when the those who have not believed and we'll see this at the end of what we call the white throne judgment. At the end of the white throne judgment, those who have not believed are taken and placed within the lake of fire, Gehenna, eternal hell. And they will be there in torment forever. Beyond our mind. In torment forever. That's the second death. Now, you know what? I'm glad for the resurrection. So I believed and I've been raised to life with Christ and I will never see death. I will never see his wrath. I have been made alive. I have now received eternal life, not life, eternal life when I get to heaven. That's where most Christians think of eternal life begins when you get to heaven. No, it begins the day you believe. I like you know, Pastor Bob's the first person I ever heard refer to it. It's, it's everlasting life. Because it, you had a start. <laughs> Eternity doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an ending. But you, you do. The day you believe, you are now alive forever. Everlasting life. And it's translated that way a few places uh, for that perspective. But in that same way, it is still eternal. It has no time. It has no time. It's eternal and it is secure and it is yours. And those who have been raised in this way, who have believed in this life, are called the church. Those who don't believe until the tribulation are called the tribulation saints. And so they are also given a priesthood. And we uh, will serve with Christ forever. We are priests in this life. They won't be priests until the time of the millennium. And there will be a priesthood in those days. And it talks about the priesthood that is going to be during the time of the millennium. There'll be a temple 
in the time of the millennium. There will be those who come to it. There will be, as hard as it is for your mind to cope with, there will be sacrifices made in the millennial temple. Jesus is on the throne. David is seated beside him, but there's sacrifices burning on the temple. You say, well, no, the sacrifice has been made. Well, wait till the millennium, and you'll see a thousand years of sacrifices being made. And those who don't bring sacrifices fall under discipline from the Messiah who's sitting on the throne. And so, yeah, this is just, read it. And, um, but we're priests now, and for us there is no other sacrifice. The one sacrifice has been made. And that is the beauty of the church age. We have, we have believed in the one sacrifice. And for us, there is no other sacrifice. All right, so we'll, we'll look at some of those verses and warp your minds, and that's okay. The final blessing uh, for this first resurrection is that they will reign. They came to life, and they reigned. And they will reign with him, just the bottom of page three, and I'm going to finish with this. They will reign with Christ. Um, this millennial period is ruled by peace, but it takes justice and authority to keep it. Why? Because sin is still bound in the heart of man. These people are still descended from Adam. And so that everyone that is born has that nature of the flesh. And either it will be subdued to the Messiah and given over to him, or it will not. And so this ruling and reigning has to do with maintaining the peace of Christ during this thousand years. And God is going to use us as believers to enforce that. I want to finish with just one verse. Go back to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 and to the, uh, to the church at Thyatira. Jesus is reading to them. He's brought some correction. Uh, and he tells them some things about who they are and what they need to do. Not everyone in the church at Thyatira not everyone in this class of church uh, is a, is a re rebel. Not everyone has fallen under this Jezebel of a woman. Um, not everyone has given themselves over to the perversions that she brought in to the church. There are many who have not. Um, I want you to start reading in verse 24. Chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, starting verse 24. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, that is the ones who do not hold to this teaching. And who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. They're teaching the deep things of Satan in the church. Huh, I wonder if that's today. Okay. To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Follow me. Just follow me. If you're in a tough place, a wicked place, an unbelieving place, if you're in the midst of a, a multitude of unbelievers, just follow me. Just stay truthful to me. No matter what you're hearing, stay truthful to me. If it costs you your life, so be it. You're with Christ forever. Only hold fast to what you have till I come. Verse 26. The one who conquers and keeps my words till the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Here, here we are. These are church-age people. All right, that's us believers. Church-age people will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them. That's a reference back to Christ. So you're given authority with him, and he will rule through you. Right? He will rule through you over the nations. He will rule with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even I myself have received authority from my Father. And he says, I am going to rule through you. And so Christ is going to rule the nations through us, and he will rule with a rod of iron, and we 
the saints will be part of those who are sitting upon the throne who are exercising this authority. All right? So that's uh, what we're looking at now. We'll take up some more about the millennium uh, in our session next week. I'm going to talk also about the four different viewpoints on millennium. And uh, one of those is, I don't believe it. <laughs> it's not even on millennial. It's just, I don't believe. I don't believe it's there. I don't believe anything about it. Um, in fact, I don't believe most of the Bible. You know, so that's where they are. But anyway, so, okay. So that's our message for tonight. Thank God we get to rule with him. And um, we get to see all of this from a heavenly perspective. It will be interesting for us to um, talk during all the years of the eternity to those who received it from the opposite side. Amen.